0: the privilege of uh, introducing someone that I worked for for nine years. Most of them were good. Uh, So it's like, get a move on, right? So thankful to have uh, Chris and Sandy here today and the the lives that they have led both while they were here and the journey that they've been on the last few years. They're going to share that with us today. So would you welcome uh, Chris and Sandy today?
1: Mike, not to correct you, but I think it was nine months, nine years, four months, and six days. Good morning. It is really good to be back today. And uh, I'm just amazed. So many of you gotten so much older. So uh, I've been exempt from that, but, you know, Some of you have not found the secret. You really need to be looking for it, okay? Well, speaking of things that have changed, there are uh, some people in our life that did not exist when we were here um, a few years back, and this is Stella. This is Stephanie's youngest. Stephanie graduated from South Adams while we were here, and uh, Stella is going to turn one on September 16th. We just had her one-year-old birthday party uh, yesterday, and she is a riot. And this kid can put away chocolate like nobody's business. Um, and then we also have, um, up in Goshen, we have Chandler and Michaela. And so uh, I remember putting Chandler's picture up on the screen when I was here. He's nine. He turns, will turn nine next month. And he, he was just born when we were here, and then Michaela is five and a half, and uh, I think we were still here then. I don't, I don't remember for sure um, exactly when she showed up. Uh, I mean, I know when she showed up, but <laughs> relative to my history at First Missionary, okay? Um, so they're up in Goshen, and then we have in Fort Wayne, and also with us this morning, Bennett, who just turned eight, and Kate, who just turned six, and... Um, So it's neat to have them here today. We go to church with them out at the chapel, and it's really uh, neat to have them so close. And as we've been going through uh, this journey over these past several years, uh, they have been, Jason and Lisa and their kids have been a tremendous support. And that's what I'm here to share about this morning. Sandy's going to come up and speak in a few minutes. Um, But our lives have been on a very... um, different sort of journey over these last few years, and some of you have been tracking that and keeping up with that. Others of you have no idea who I am, and so uh, that's okay, Um, but I was pastor here, like Mike said, uh, for several years, and we had a really good ministry here together, and I appreciate the chance to be with you again. It was in 2014, 2015, when Sandy started having floaters in her eyes. She started just seeing these spots going around, and I remember distinctly one meal when we were eating, and she went to shoo the fly away from the food, and there was no fly there. It was the floater that she was seeing there. And so we began seeing a series of doctors to try to figure out what was going on, and eventually we ended up with a retinal specialist in Fort Wayne, and he began treating her for that. He actually did surgery on one of her eyes uh, to remove the floaters, and that helped, but that did not solve the basic problem. And so in November of 2016, uh, he had done an MRI and a spinal tap to try to figure out what was going on, and it was that month when he finally said, you know, I think you've got what we call ocular lymphoma, which is cancer of the eye. And any of you who have had that word cancer show up in your life, you know that it is just absolutely world-changing, And um, we began to try to figure out how to get this treated. We wanted to find a doctor, an oncologist, who specialized in ocular lymphoma and found out that there's no one in the state of Indiana. No one. Six million people in this state, and nobody specializes in ocular lymphoma. And so uh, Sandy tends to be pretty proactive, so she got online and she went to Cleveland Clinic and found out that they had somebody there that we got an appointment with. And uh, not, only does he not, kn- not only does he know about it, he's written five textbooks on it, which helped us to have a sense that we really got a good guy here. So we met, went and met with him, and um, he was very helpful, and he answered a lot of questions, and they were in the process. They were going to uh, prepare to do a biopsy of her eye. Our doctor here in Fort Wayne had said that if we had the biopsy of her eye, it would cause her to lose her sight which kind of made the idea of a biopsy sound pretty, you know, not like a good thing. And the doctor in Cleveland Clinic said, you will not lose your sight. We've done so many of these. We've made all of our mistakes already. We're doing it right now. You will keep your sight. He literally said that. He literally said that. And so uh, we were ready to go for that. And on, uh, I've got the date here, March 18th, or March 8th, 2017, everything changed. We were getting ready to go to a Bible study that night, and Sandy wanted to pick up some cupcakes to take to the Bible study, so we were at a store in Fort Wayne, and I noticed when we were walking in the store that she was weaving all over. And I said, why don't you hold onto the shopping cart? So she did, we went and found some cupcakes, found a couple other things. We were walking out of the store, she was carrying her purse in her left hand, and the purse just dropped to the floor. I said, you dropped your purse? She said, did I? I picked it up, put it back in her hand. We took a couple more steps. She dropped it again. And she wasn't aware that she was doing that. We get in the car. We go down to the Bible study, which was held in the home of the doctor that Sandy worked with at that time, Dr. Jessamyn Hippensteel. and And during the Bible study, Sandy was not acting right. I noticed that the right side of her face was drooping. She had lost uh, strength in the left side of her body. And um, she had no emotion. She just... She was completely flat affect, and this had happened like literally that day. And I'm texting Dr. Hippensteel in the middle of the Bible study, saying, "Do you see what's going on with Sandy? What is this about?" And so, when the Bible study was over, we everybody else left, and we sat there with Dr. Hippensteel talking with her. And she said, "I'm going to get an MRI scheduled for you tomorrow morning." So she did that at Adams Memorial. Memorial, we went, had the um, MRI. And she came over that night to give us the news that there was a tumor in the center of Sandy's brain. It was around the thalamus and touching on the brain stem. And it was not good news at all. Um, The next day we saw our oncologist would become our oncologist in Fort Wayne and um, he did all the testing and everything. And he confirmed that yes, it was central nervous system lymphoma it had started in her eye and now it's shown up in her brain. And he told us, he said, you need to make some decisions because he said, we can do chemo. And he said, you need to understand this will totally devastate your life. You won't be able to work any longer. It will change everything about your life. And so you don't have to do it if you don't want to. But if you don't, you'll die in about two to three weeks. So we decided to go with the treatment. She went in the hospital... Uh, had a brain biopsy where they confirmed what it was, and then she started a round of chemotherapy called methotrexate. We did uh, 12 different rounds over a period of eight months. She spent a total of 68 nights in Lutheran Hospital over those uh, eight months from March of last year until October of last year. On August 1st of last year, Uh, the doctor came and he said, uh, got some really good news, he said, the tumor is gone. And he had told us when we started the, the chemo, he said, we'll reduce it, but he says, we'll never be able to get rid of it completely. And he told us on August 1st, he said, the tumor is gone. He said, now there are still cancer cells floating around, they're lurking in your brain, but the tumor itself is gone. And by the way, with that first round of treatment, the first of 12, all of her symptoms went away and she got her feeling back. Her face was normal. She was able to laugh and cry again. She was sandy again. Um, And so the the tumor had shrunk that much. By August 1st, it was gone. And so August 1st was an incredible day. It was just like, you know, one of the best days we'd ever had until later that evening when I got a call from my stepmom telling me that my dad had died that day. He was 90 years old, he'd been in failing health, but still was at home, still able to do his own stuff. And that day, um, probably from a heart attack, uh, he died. So we had this incredible news and this horrible news all together there. We got done with the chemo in October. And um, we stopped the chemo in part, the tumor was gone, but it was also doing a lot of damage to Sandy's body. And the doctor was like, "I I think it's doing more damage then it's worth doing, so I suggest we just hold off and not do anything and see what happens. And Sandy was ready to stop the chemo anyway, so we said, okay, that's fine. And um, a couple months later, we went back and we saw him and we said, you know, this idea of these cancer cells just lurking around and waiting until they come back, is there anything we can do? And he said, well, you can have a stem cell transplant. And I would like to send you to the University of Chicago Medical Center, and they will do a stem cell transplant. And they did that, and that was um, the actual transplant was on March twenty eighth of this year. And it was while we were waiting at the admissions department, in fact, at Sh- University of Chicago, that I finally took my son's advice and created a caring bridge page. And you can still go on there. There were 43 straight days. So if you want to know the entire story with all the details, it's on caringbridge.org under Sandy's name. And uh, the whole journey was on there. And a lot of folks from First Missionary were tracking that, and we really appreciate that. In fact, I want to mention, while we were in Lutheran Hospital for those 68 nights we'd received a gift from the Christian Aid Fund here at the church that it was a very generous gift and it was so helpful because we had like a ton of medical bills and so many people encouraged us and loved us and gave to us and you all were a part of that just really gave us a lot of hope through that time as well as during uh, the time at the University of Chicago. She was in the hospital three straight weeks, uh, 21 days with that treatment. Then we went to Stephanie's house in South Bend for two and a half weeks. And the real downside of that was having to have Stella around during those days. That was just the real hardship to carry. Um, But Stephanie just was was our rock to get us through that time until we could get her back home. We got back home on April 28th, which was one month to the day since her actual stem cell transplant. And since then, we've just uh, been figuring out what this new life is like and facing each day. And doing whatever it is that people do. But Sandy wants to say a few words about ways that she saw God in the midst of that time. I asked her after the first service, I said, You ready to do this again? And she said, Not at all. But here she is. You need a microphone. You do. <laughs> this one
2: first of all um i i can't even tell you the thousands of ways that um god has blessed us and um my very first thing was um the way we were told about it you know most people you're you go to the doctor's office or they tell you over the phone. But um, I was blessed with working with a doctor who just has so much compassion. And um, she came over to the house that night, and I was already in bed because I wasn't feeling well, and she just hopped right in bed with me, right next to me. And then Jason and Elisa came over, and um, then we got my um, other two daughters on the phone so that they could hear, so that we were all told at the same time what was going on. And I remember those words, it's not good. And no one ever wants to hear those words. And just sitting and talking about that. But I, that was just such a blessing to have that person in my life to do that for me. And then, um, and, the, and I never wanted to get to lose my hair. I, and maybe I was being proud, but I didn't want anybody to know that I was sick. And um, I didn't want to lose my hair, and I never did with that first nine months of treatment with the methyltrexate. And I just, I think that was a God thing because... I had friends actually praying that I wouldn't lose my hair, and I didn't. And this, um, after my second treatment, the doctor told me, I want you to go to the cancer center and pick out a wig because you're going to lose your hair. And I thought, oh, I don't think so, but I'll go do it. So I, a friend came with me and Chris, and we went and picked out a wig. Well, I never had to use it. Well, that wasn't my prayer this second time around with the stem cell. I thought, I really don't care at this point. So I say now that I have this million-dollar haircut um, and <laughs> that I got and because my hair did come out with this treatment, and um, now it's growing back. And so I, I said, you know, it was just my million-dollar haircut. So... Um, Another time that I really felt that God was just at my side was when I had my brain biopsy. All my family was in the room with me, and um, they took me down, and I've had surgery before, but this OR was amazing because along all the walls were big screen TVs, and on the TVs, They had my name, my birth date, and then they had pictures of my brain on all of them. And that was so scary for me. And I just remember, I just felt like God was just holding me. And um, the song by Casting Crowns Just Beheld came to my mind. And I, I I just had a real peace come over me that I could, I could do this. And um, when, after I woke up, um, I saw my granddaughters, and Michaela had bought me this rabbit. And um, I remember her giving that to me, and that kind of became a real popular thing that, and people started bringing me rabbits. So I had a room full of rabbits, and then Kate gave me this turtle my other granddaughter, so I just had all these stuffed animals all over the room, and um, which
1: by the way, we had to carry with us every time we went back to the hospital. <laughs> so I would take like three loads just bringing stuffed rabbits into the hospital, <laughs> honest to goodness.
2: He, had to, he made gobs of trips back and forth just to bring this stuff because I always had to decorate my room because I had to be there for so long, and I had different signs.
1: This one says, life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. And so each time she's in the hospital, she got another sign, and all of those had to come back to the hospital with us, (laughs) too.
2: And one of the Sunday school classes from here gave me a card shower. Gave us a card shower, and it was just amazing to read those cards and to see all the people praying for us. God just truly blessed us with that. Um, And I have a friend, a friend of a friend of a friend, who had a stem cell transplant 10 years ago. And just out of the blue, I got a text message from her. I've never met her. Um, I didn't even know what her name was, but she started texting me, telling me about her um, transplant and some of the things I could expect and by Gumby, if um, it didn't pretty much go that way. And so I've kind of made this friend over texting. Um, and when I have really bad days, I'll, sit, I'll just text her and kind of cry on her shoulder. And she'll say, it'll get better, I promise. So that was just really a cool thing that God brought her into my life through texting. And then we had a trip to Colorado, which we just really loved. Um, Had a hard time breathing, but um, it was a great trip.
1: Neil Neil and Connie Potter had allowed us to stay in their cabin out there. Some of you have seen the cabin. It's not a cabin, but that's what they call it. And it was just a wonderful gift for that week to get away from everything. And
2: in this time, we had moved from New Haven to um, Fort Wayne to be closer to um our kids and um it was just it was rough trying to do all of that and a bunch of people from Chris's office came and helped us move and then they set things up and somebody literally ironed all of Chris's shirts for him I told him he was spoiled (laughs) (laughs) because he was just stacking them up um one of the best treats of all was almost every night when I was in the during every hospital visitation at um, in Fort Wayne, Jason and Elisa would bring Kate and Bennett up, um, and they used to love to come up because they'd get ice cream or string cheese um, from the nurses, or they'd go down to the cafeteria to get something. And it was just fun. One, I don't remember if it was the 4th of July or Memorial Day, but Jason had grilled hamburgers and hot dogs, and they packed everything up and brought it to us in the hospital so we could have a picnic. So we had our family picnic in the hospital. And I was really surprised. I'm sitting there going, hot dogs, wow. <laughs> um, and that's just a few of the examples. I, I'd be here all day if I told everything that everybody did for me and Chris. Um, but I had a friend who came and taught me how to make jewelry. She sat one day, and we made some jewelry. We, we call it our lymphoma jewelry because the color for lymphoma is lime green. So she got all lime green beads, and we were making jewelry. Um, another thing that um, God blessed me with was the nurse practitioner for the doctor. Her name's Leslie. She she would come in, and she would always know what to say. And I was just truly blessed with her. And um, she cried with me. She laughed with me. She was joyful with me. But she was always honest. She never kept anything from me. And one day she came in and I said, so what should I do today? And she said, well, I want you to plan your funeral and then I want you to just live and just see what happens. And um, that was really hard for me to hear. But I did what she told me to do. And um, Chris and I went home and um, we decided how what we were going to do and how we were going to do it and what songs we wanted. Um, and obviously we didn't need it, but I was fighting to because I wanted to see Stephanie have my la my youngest daughter have her only child so far to be born and as you saw we celebrated her first birthday so god has just truly blessed me with that um that i not only got to see her be born but she i got to see her have her first birthday and hopefully many more i don't know and our Um, other daughter is pregnant and hopefully I'll still be around to watch that next month and see that baby Um, I don't have a lot of memory of my time in Chicago Uh, that just all kind of got wiped out but um, the chemo was awful and about the only thing I remember is A phone call from Stephanie that morning that Chris had placed and she was crying saying but mom you've got to do it you got to do it you've come so far you got to do it and we had already made the decision that there was not going to be any um, ventilators feeding tubes that kind of stuff and she was trying to convince me to go on a ventilator, and I kept saying, but no, we said we weren't going to do that. And from that time on, I don't remember anything except um, switching rooms. Um, that I had been in a room that was all decorated with these little sayings that somebody had given me. Um, they had all these sayings and these green things were up all over in the room and when i was back in this room i opened my eyes and they weren't he didn't do his job he didn't put them back up but um yeah this one says kind heart fierce mind brave spirit um, this one says, "Don't ever let your head down unless it's to admire your shoes." <laughs> and it says, "If I was cancer, I'd be scared to mess with you." So, um, somebody f- found all of those different sayings and wrote all and put all of those, and I had them all over the room. A, a few of them were PG-13, so I put those in the bathroom so that only I could see them. <laughs> But they would make me laugh. Um, When I was having one of the chemos required that you um, had to take a shower every four hours. And so you'd have to take a shower. And that was around the clock for three days. So you'd have to get up, take a shower, and um, then they'd change your sheets. That's about the only time they change your sheets nowadays in the hospital. But um, so I I had my shower every four hours around the clock. So 2 o'clock in the morning, somebody would come in, get me up, throw me in the shower. And then um, I'd have a nice clean sheets. And four hours later, they were back again. Or if... um, if you would sweat at all you had to have a shower so I had many many showers I was very clean in Chicago (laughs) Um, and I the fight was hard and the only way I got through it was with everybody's prayers and visits and um, with, with Jesus by my side I mean he walked me through it I don't know if he walked or he pulled me <laughs> sometimes he pulled me because there were many days I wanted to give up and just be done but um, the storms the storms were rough but I made it through and um, so many people, I just, I can't even begin to tell this church and my friends what this has meant to us, and um, I never could have done it without you all, and to my family, um, my real family and my fake family, (laughs) Um, and to Chris who has stood by my side day and night. Um, he never left the hospital. Um, most of the time he slept at the hospital with me. And at the very beginning when I was really bad, um, the kids took shifts of who was going to stay with me. And, you know, it's just something that you can't even imagine. I mean. I always knew I was going to die from a heart attack because that's what's in our family. No one in my family has ever had cancer, so I I knew I was going to die from a heart attack. And um, when the doctors tell you, well, I've only had one other case of this um, here in Fort, you know, in Fort Wayne, um, but she died because she was too unhealthy to go through any treatment. So I've never really had anybody with this kind of cancer because it's so rare. You just kind of go, wow, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> so, um, But I'm thankful for um, the doctors and, and just um, information, being my um, own search warrior and the people that God placed before me.
1: Sandy mentioned that this is an extremely rare kind of cancer. If you get everybody in the United States, we have 250 people, 250 million people in the United States, something like that. And if you take every person in the whole US and get them in one place who is diagnosed with this cancer each year, you have a gathering the size of Geneva, 1,600 people. Um, so not having anybody in Indiana who knows how to treat it, not all that surprising if the numbers are that rare. Um, Want to just Tell you, when we went in, and I'm just, I'll wrap this up real quickly. When we went into Chicago for the stem cell transplant, the doctor was very straightforward with us, and he, he gave us two numbers that were just inescapable. He told us, he, he said, one out of 20 people who have this procedure of a stem cell transplant die during the treatment, a 5% chance of dying. And he said, and those people who survive it, 40% of them will be cancer-free after it, will not, and it will come back. And there's no way to know that you're part of the 40% unless you just keep living. There's no way for them to definitively tell you what you're dealing with. So we did get the stem cell transplant, which was on March 28th of this year. And um, eight days later, was when Sandy's airway began to close off because she had phenomenal swelling. Her face, her neck, her whole upper body was swelling and somehow she managed to wake me up about 4 o'clock in the morning and she couldn't talk, but she managed to wake me up and I realized she couldn't talk, she couldn't breathe and I got the nurse, we got the doctor and that's when they decided to intubate her that day and she didn't want to be intubated, she didn't want to go on a ventilator because that was our agreement. and my My thought was this was just going to be temporary, It was just going to be very short term, and so I went against her wishes to have her intubated. And it took her a long time, I'm still not sure she's totally forgiven me of that. Um, And just one little moment that Bennett really loves, I gotta throw in there. They had her intubated and they moved her to intensive care and they did physical therapy while the, she was there. They ended up getting her off the ventilation, and the nurse was trying to check her mental status to, knew, to know you know, who, who she was, and did she know what day of the week it was, and all the kinds of questions they ask you. And the nurse pointed to me, and she said, and who is that? To me, and Sandy said, pain in the butt. <laughs> <clears throat> so, um, yeah. We knew she was gonna be fine. But before that moment, it was eleven o'clock that night when they had uh, she was out of it. They had her intubated. The machine was breathing for her. They actually wanted to put a feeding tube down, but there was no room. her throat was so swollen there wasn't room next to the feeding t- uh, next to the ventilator to add the feeding tube to it and uh, I was sitting there with her, and she was a, she was out of it. She was uh drugged, and I remember sitting at the side of her bed, my arms were on her. Uh, bed rail and my chin was resting on my head and it struck me that that was our five percent day that if there was a day when she was going to die during this procedure that was the day she was supposed to die but she hadn't and as i've reflected upon that <clears throat> excuse me i've gone back to daniel chapter 3 And there's a scene there in Daniel chapter 3 where Nebuchadnezzar sets up a big statue of himself, something like 90 feet tall, and he requires everybody, when the certain music plays, they all have to bow down and worship him. And there were three Jewish fellows who were held in captivity, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they wouldn't do it. They had them brought in before Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar says, "Uh, let me make this clear. If you don't bow down, we will kill you. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say to Nebuchadnezzar, King, you can do that. But the God that we serve will deliver us. But even if he does not, we will continue to trust in him. And we have those times when we come to the point where we say, Okay, God, if everything falls apart and I have nothing else left to trust in, I will choose to trust in you. And my guess is that there are people here this morning who are facing that where if God doesn't come through for you, you don't have anything else. And even if God doesn't come through for you, you're still going to trust him. And if you're in one of those moments and you're facing that point in your life, I'd like to pray for you right now. Would you bow with me, please? Oh God, we do not know what our lives are going to hold from day to day, from year to year, from hour to hour. But you do know. And if we don't know what our life is going to hold, we at least know that you hold our life in your hands. And so whether we live or whether we die, we'll trust in you. Whether you come through for us or it appears that you have forsaken us and let us down, and there are times it looks like that, God, we will trust in you. So I pray for those who are hurting, who are going through a valley right now that seems to have no end, who are facing fears and burdens that are simply overwhelming, and pray that you would walk so closely with them that they would be assured that you have not forgotten them, that you are still God and at work on their behalf. Continue to walk with us, Lord, and help us to trust in you. Even in the times when trust seems impossible. In Jesus' name, Amen.
3: Walking around these walls, I thought by now they. Change to come, but you have never.
0: those who are here. Continue to move the mountains. Continue to be with us, Father God. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a reminder that uh, Matt and Allison are out in the fellowship space. Chris and Sandy and their family uh, are down here, and then we We'd love to have you come over and be with us at the park on the east side of the park for uh, for a picnic today. So God bless, and we'll see you next week.